Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Music by now, we all know the voice. Welcome to the Believe in UConn Women's Basketball Podcast. Like always, I am your host, Jacob DeLawrence. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter if you haven't already at underscore J Della. Go ahead and give Believe a follow as well at Believe Podcast. Believe is spelled B L E A V. There you go, nice, simple, and easy for you. And while you're at it, go ahead, like, share, follow, subscribe, rate. Leave a comment. All that good stuff for this podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a co-worker. Sharing is caring, right? I mean, think about it. We all got that one co-worker that wants to come and talk to you all day. You know how you get rid of somebody that wants to talk to you all day? You tell them to go, like, hey, man, I'm, hey, hey, come here, Pete. I'm glad to see you today, Pete. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, okay. Oh, you know, before you get started, though, you want to do me this favor and just, like, like share this podcast for me? Oh, oh, you're busy, Pete? Boom, there you go. See, you told Pete to do it. He might not do it, but you got rid of Pete. So now you can listen to this podcast in your ears in peace and get your work done. Because, what? Like, why bother somebody when they got headphones in? Come on, Pete, don't be a Pete in the office. But nonetheless... Like always, this is the Believe in UConn Women's Basketball Podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Like I said, I am your host, Jacob DeLawrence. On tap for this episode is the Tulsa game. That's right. We're going to talk about how Connecticut came out, smacked Tulsa in the mouth, smacked them in the mouth again, then again, and again, and again, and again, and again, to the tune of a 92 to 34 victory. Wow, they scored 34? Huh, I thought they scored a little less than that. All right. So that should tell you everything that you know, just at a glance of how dominated this performance was. But before we get into that, I just want to let you guys know, like always, Believe is the number one podcast network for professionals. There's a reason why we can lay claim to that. It's not just a catchy slogan or anything. It's the truth. The truth? The truth? The truth. There we go. The truth. And if you don't believe me, see what I did there? Just go, just go ahead. Like we do every episode, we're going to go to believe.com. We're going to click on the shows tab. And let's see, what, what are we in the mood for today? Oh, football. It was just championship Sunday in the NFL this past week. So, you know, we got our Super Bowl matchup set. The San Francisco 49ers are finally back in the Super Bowl. They're taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Should be a great matchup. Two relatively high-powered offenses, two defenses that don't get enough respect, that are more than good enough to get the job done. So we should see what we should get. Hopefully, actually, there's no hopefully. There's no way that this game will be as bad as last year's stinker between the Patriots and the Rams. Ugh. But that's a different story for a different day. So, you're a football fan? Or, you know, let's just make it specific. You're a fan of the 49ers? Guess what? We got you covered. That's right. We have the Believe in 49ers podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Matter of fact, as soon as you go to Believe.com, click on shows, it's the first podcast that pops up for you, baby. Yep, that's right. Rayshon Haylock and NFL vet Eric Davis break down everything San Francisco 49ers related. Matter of fact, hold on. 
They already got the preview episode from the NFC Championship game, so you know that recap episode is coming this week, and you know they're going to give it to you like nobody else can because they're the best at what they do. Oh, Chiefs fans, you think, oh, man, okay, that's cool. Well, what about us? Why don't we have anything? Believe.com, click on shows. We're just going to go ahead and put Chiefs into the bar. Boom, there we go. Believe in Chiefs podcast right there for you. Hosted by Joe Valero, Jeff Edison as well. Joe Valero gives you a weekly breakdown. He's an NFL journalist, and he used to play for the Chiefs. He was a former center. So you're going to get a few NFL stories in there as well. So if you ever wonder what it's like to be in an NFL locker room, just go ahead and listen to the Believe in Chiefs podcast. You'll get a few little gems out of Joe, a couple of good stories. You might get some out of Eric Davis as well in the 49ers podcast. We got you covered. We got former athletes that know what it's like to compete at the highest level. These are 13, 10, multiple-year vets in the league coming to tell you and break things down like nobody else can. So go ahead and subscribe to that. And if you're not a fan of the Chiefs or the 49ers, but you love to gamble, and you you know, oh man, I need some good betting advice. You know, what's some uh, prop bets or anything for the Super Bowl? Don't worry. We got you covered there, too. We got the Picks and Parlays podcast. We got the Opening Line podcast. We got you covered I keep telling you every week, believe, we got a show for you. We have 190 shows and we're growing on a regular basis. Speaking of 190 shows and growing, guess what? Believe decided to give me another podcast as well. That's right. They like me so much. They figured, hey, want another one? Here you go. So now, not only do you get to hear me break down UConn women's basketball every episode multiple times a week, because like I say, if there's a game, I'll be here either the next day or shortly after. I'm going to break it down. And speaking of breaking things down, Tennessee's looming. Tennessee's tomorrow. I'm going to have a special episode for you guys where I go into the rivalry and the history of it between Connecticut and Tennessee. It's been 13 years since these teams have last played. So you're going to get that with a little bit of a preview of the game. And then, of course, like always, I'm going to be here to talk about what happened in the game and what should happen is a beatdown at Tennessee but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Like I said, Believe gave me another show. If you're a fan of pro wrestling, if you're a fan of the WWE specifically, and really specific, if you're a fan of NXT, guess what? Welcome. Welcome. Get excited because the Believe in NXT podcast is coming very soon. It is hosted by I, yours truly, Jacob DeLawrence, along with my boy Cedric Welton. We'll be delivering quality content every week to you. We will be breaking down that week's episode of NXT We'll talk about what happened, what should have happened, where they're going. We're going to talk a little bit about Raw and SmackDown because they're all underneath that umbrella and how what's happening in NXT affects those other brands. We'll talk about AEW because it's a Wednesday night war. It's a rating competition. You got to compare them because they've made themselves rivals. It's like the Yankees and the Red Sox are Tennessee and Connecticut. You know, it's one of those, so don't worry. Wrestling fans, we got you. The Believe in NXT podcast is coming soon. Hosted by me and Cedric Welton. There's a teaser episode up now. So all you got to do is go to Believe.com. Click on Shows and just go ahead and search NXT. You'll see the little teaser episode. And we will be available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. Just like this show. So all you got to do, open up your, your app of choice. Believe in NXT. Search for it. It's coming soon. Get ready because we're excited to bring this to you. And speaking of football and new Believe shows, we got the Believe in Jaguars podcast as well, coming to the Believe Network, hosted by James Johnson and Phil Smith. Those boys do a great job covering the Jaguars for the Jaguars Wire of USA Today. So now you get to hear all their thoughts, opinions, 
and analysis right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Raiders fans, we got you covered. We got everybody covered when it comes to football in some shape, form, or fashion. If you're not a fan of football, all right, let's see what we got here. We got the Los Angeles Lakers. We got sports gossip. If you're a fan of like reality TV, we got Housewives and Vanderpump Rules. Come on. Abby, that's right there for you. We got sports gossip. We got Alabama prep sports. We got athlete behavior. We got Supercross. We got sports movies. We have movies, sports beauty. We have the spirits and sports shows, songwriting. We got a little bit of everything for you here at Believe. This is why we can lay claim to being the number one podcast network for professionals and why we are the creme de la creme. We are the best of the best. If you don't believe me, we got 190 shows that say it, that we are what we say we are. Hey, if not, you can go listen to somebody else talk about this and see if it's as quality, as in-depth, as reliable, as knowledgeable as what we give you. Speaking of in-depth, knowledgeable, reliable, quality, and all that good stuff, let's go ahead and just get right into what today's episode is about. Like I said, Connecticut played Tulsa this past Sunday. It was the 30th anniversary of Gamble Pavilion opening. You had the 1989-1990 team in the building. They honored the team at halftime. You also had some several other UConn greats in the building. So there's a lot of energy in the building for the Lady Huskies. And you're playing a team in Tulsa that was at the bottom. It still is currently at the bottom. I'm sorry, no, they're not. <laughs> East Carolina's not at the bottom. But Tulsa was at the bottom of the American Athletic Conference standings. So you're looking at this. Connecticut had a rough, rough week in regards to the Memphis and the UCF game. Some people feel like Connecticut probably should have lost one, if not both of those games. I'm inclined to believe that Connecticut had a better chance of losing to Memphis and probably should have lost to Memphis compared to the UCF game where at the end of UCF, Connecticut was up and they just went cold. I mean, they could not buy a bucket to save their lives. That allowed UCF to hit a couple shots, kind of get a little momentum, get themselves back into the game. Connecticut hits a couple plays, finally gets a shot to fall. Foul at the end of the game, UCF hits a couple of pointless foul shots. It kind of makes the score look a little closer than actually what the game was. Wayne Connecticut's best performance by no means was pretty horrible, if you ask me. Also, I broke that game down. If you want to go back and listen to it, you'll get a better feel of exactly what I'm referencing here. But, you know, Memphis, that was a struggle. Memphis led for that game. They were on point. They were coming out feeling good about themselves. It took Connecticut waking up, stepping on the gas to finally squeak by with a win. So if you're saying they should have lost one or two last week, yeah, Memphis should have been L, UCF, not as close as the score makes it seem. And you can attribute those two games to either a hangover from the Baylor loss, even though Connecticut came out and smacked Houston in the mouth and blew Houston out, which, to be fair, it didn't matter who was going to be next after Baylor. Connecticut was going to steamroll them because losing that bad at home against a Baylor team where going into the fourth quarter, it was a single-digit lead for Baylor, and it was a close, tightly contested game for you to end up losing 74-58, to if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. Yeah, that does something to you to where the point of your next opponent, you're either going to lose badly to or you're going to blow them out of the water. And a team like Connecticut being a top upper echelon team in the country, one of the premier programs in women's hoops, you tend to respond on the side of, I'm coming out here to hit you in the mouth. There's not a thing you can do about it. 
So you can either just lay down or you can get beat down till you lay down. In Houston, they showed a little fight, but they just got beat down. It just, unfortunately, the schedule just did not set up in their favor for that, given everything that happened prior. So we get to Tulsa this past Sunday. Like I said, going into it, Connecticut was at a bit of a crossroads. Tulsa's the perfect team to figure out to an extent where you are as a program coming off of the rough week and a half you had if you were Connecticut. So they come out, they stifle Tulsa on defense. It was 48-11 to at the half. Tulsa put up six points in the first quarter, five points in the second. Connecticut put up 24 and 24 respectively. It just was a clinic on how to properly execute team defense from playing man to playing zone. I'm sitting here watching a clip from the game early in the first half. Connecticut's in zone. And as the ball is swung around the perimeter by Tulsa, all you see is heads turn and feet move. Ball goes this way. Connecticut was sitting back where they can see ball, see man, basically basketball principles. You're one pass away from the next logical pass. That ball moves. Connecticut's right there moving with it. It had to feel like if you're Tulsa, there's got to be six people on the court. Because even when Tulsa was able to make a skip pass from one side of the court to the other, Connecticut was right there. If not one person, there was another member of the Lady Huskies right there, hands up, right in their face. And it's like, what do you want me to do here? I'm being smothered. And that was, yeah, it's just, that's what happens when you play a team that had a rough week and they feel like they had something to prove because a lot of people were questioning these Connecticut defensive effort. Are they getting a little sloppy? Are they lax? Or are they just not that good of a defensive team? This answered it to an extent. Again, Tulsa is 5-13, and 0-5 in conference. I'm sorry, they're 6-13 and 13 now, 1-5 in conference. But at the time and after the game, they were 5-13, and 0-5 in conference. So Tulsa's a bottom-of-the-barrel team. So you can't put too much stock in how you look, especially when you're in Connecticut. But for them to come out with that type of commitment, that effort, because you could very easily be like, hey, we're playing Tulsa. We got Tennessee coming up. That's the rebirth of a rivalry, 13 years since we've played. You know, your focus could easily be that and just be like, all right, we can cakewalk and we'll squeak, we'll squeak by or we'll still scrub Tulsa by 20 and call it a day. No, these women came out here and beat Tulsa by 58 points. And you can make the argument that it probably could have been a lot worse. And it's just... Textbook defense. Connecticut answered the question of if they can commit to defense for a full entire game, how do they play as a unit? They played great. They played great. They played solid. They were moving as one. They were aggressive. In fact, let's see how many turnovers that Connecticut caused. Tulsa finished the game with 21 turnovers. That, no, that, that ain't going to get the job done. When you turn in the ball over 21 times, and Connecticut only turned the ball over 11 times. Connecticut had 14 steals. 14. So of Tulsa's 21 turnovers, 14 of them were steals by Connecticut. That is a lot. <laughs> that is a high exchange rate of steals to turnovers. Like if you see somebody and it's like, oh, they turned the ball over 18 times. Okay, all right. How many steals did the other team have? Oh, the other team only had like six steals. Mm -hmm, all right, so that's not that many 
fast break points, you know, it's not hurting you as bad as it could be because you can be like, all right, you turned over 18 times. You Well, you had 12 dead ball turnovers. Ball bounced off somebody's foot. You stepped back. You traveled. Things of that nature, they don't hurt you that much because it's a dead ball. allows you to set up your defense. You're fine. 14 steals hurts you because what that is is somebody jumping a passing lane, somebody just taking a dribble, going the other way, scoring two, it adds up quickly. That's how you get points off a turnover. That's how you create fast breaks. It's just not pretty. Like That's how you put yourself in a hole. That's how you only score 11 points and a half is that you turn the ball over 21 times for a game, and again, 14 of those were steals. It, that does not help. And if you're looking, let's just look at scoring real quick. Irwin chipped in with a point. Megan Walker, 24, leading the way. Olivia Nelson Odata, she had six. Crystal Williams had 11. Dangerfield had 16. Bent had two. Griffin had 11. And Makarot came off the bench and dropped 21 points. And she was aggressive, looking to score. She went 4-7 from three-point land. A trend and a thing with her this past season was that she just, for whatever reason, wasn't feeling confident in her shot. So she would pass up a lot of open threes, and it had a lot of people sitting here like, what is going on? Does she not trust her shot? Is she struggling to adapt to playing the American style after coming from Poland, playing in their high level? So this this is a breakout game, perfect time for her to have one where she's feeling confident. She's like a floor general. She knows what she wants to do with the ball when she has the ball in her hand. Because there was a play where she had a steal. She's going down the court and she's like, all right, I got, I know what I'm doing. I got this boom, boom, and hits one. No problem. And it's just like you could tell that there's a confidence, that there's a feeling that's like, hey, I finally hit my groove. Speaking of Makarot, she hit a three late in the game. And the bench, they got excited. They started dancing. At this point, if I'm not mistaken, Connecticut was up by at least 40 points, if not more. Some people have criticized Connecticut for the act saying that it's unsportsmanlike, act like you've been here, you've been here before, you're up by 40-plus at this point. It's Tulsa. Like, what are you celebrating for? Actually, I'm sorry. It was 60. It was 88 to 28, so that's even worse. But it's like, also the argument is, if you don't like it, stop me from doing it. And unfortunately for Tulsa, they couldn't stop Connecticut from doing anything that the Lady Huskies wanted. And I mean anything so that was that basically it's a solid effort like i said they played great team defense everybody's head was moving working together you extend your streak of conference wins to 127 and oh it's just that is a trademark connecticut win and the reason that I'm not overly confident and feeling good about the issues that I addressed before of turning the ball over too much, of not getting enough scoring from the bench, of not being aggressive enough, is still is because you played Tulsa. If you come out and you play Tennessee like this and you smack Tennessee in the mouth, while Tennessee just struggled this past week with Alabama and you had to hit a buzzer beater to beat Alabama, eh, yeah, hey man, it's basketball. It could happen, but you're a top 25 program, Tennessee. So if you come out, you play Tennessee in a rivalry game, and you just come out that aggressive and you look similar 
are the same like you did against Tulsa, then I start feeling more confident about how this team is looking, the trajectory that they're on, where things are going. Because Tulsa, this game is like the Houston game. It's an abnormally. It's just a outlier of like, all right, you had a bounce back performance against a subpar team. This is what you were supposed to do. Like you're supposed to come out and hold Tulsa to under 30% shooting from the field. You're supposed to out rebound Tulsa by 42 to 26. You're supposed to force Tulsa to turn the ball over. Tulsa shot 13% from the three point line, which is as bad as that is. What's equally as impressive is the fact that Connecticut shot 61% from the three-point line as a team. 14 to 23 from three is really impressive. That just says you were on as a team. Not just one player was on that night, but the whole team was just pulling up, hitting, no questions asked. Tulsa shot 430 from the three-point line. A lot of those threes were forced shots because Connecticut was playing such smothering defense as a team. That Tulsa got down late in the shot clock, and you have to heave something up, and you're still picking up the shot clock violation. You're still getting tip balls. You're still missing your shots. So that's a reflection of Connecticut just forcing you to not be able to cut, get your offense, get the ball past the foul line, into the block, into the paint, lower half of the court. No, you're going to play from the three-point line and the foul line up and out. And Tulsa was like, we don't want to, but okay, because we they just couldn't do anything. So that was another nod to Connecticut coming out, playing defense, answering that question of can they play stifling defense for a full game? The answer against Tulsa is yes. Will that be the case against a Oregon, a South Carolina, a Tennessee? It remains to be seen. However, this is a solid indicator that they can do it. And that more importantly, if they can do it to this high level against a team like Tulsa, if you up the competition, there's going to be a drop-off. But you still have to feel like even with that drop-off, they're better than where they've been this season. And what's even more impressive, how Connecticut forced 21 turnovers, forced Tulsa to shoot abysmal from three-point line. In fact, Tulsa didn't get to the foul line in this game, which is also impressive and leads into my fact is that Connecticut only committed three fouls the whole entire game. That is as clean as a game I've seen in any level of basketball in a very long time. For the whole team to only commit three fouls tells you everything that you need to know. And it goes back to, yeah, they were playing defense. Like, textbook, this is the old coach that's played in the 80s, that's like, hey, we don't do all that touchy-grabby stuff. Get your hands off them, move your feet, move your eyes, move your head defense. Like, you don't have to touch. If you just move your feet and move your head and you get to where the ball is, you will force turnovers, you will force things, you will force their hands. That's what happened. I'm harping on this because it's impressive just looking at it from the sheer numbers of three fouls. You only fouled three times the whole entire game. Let's see who committed those fouls real quick. It was Walker, Odada, and Williams. Each one had a foul apiece. Like, you can't be bad. That is as clean as a game as you can play. So, unfortunately for Tulsa, it wasn't their night. If you're Connecticut, great effort, great defense. All right, now we're on to Tennessee tomorrow. Or, well, actually, tonight. 
So we're going to see how that plays out. It should be a solid competitive game because this is a rivalry. If there's one thing that rivalries have taught us in sports, you take the records, you take everything about everybody, and you just throw it out the window because it doesn't matter to an extent. Tennessee could have had the ugliest game in the world against Alabama, which they did. They are still going to get up for this game against UConn. On the other hand, Connecticut just blew Tulsa out. And you think they're going to roll in to in Hartford and just like, all right, we got this. It's Tennessee. Nah, they're going to be ready for a fight because they know Tennessee's going to come fight them. And Connecticut's going to want to punch back. So it's going to be a knockdown, slug out, drag them game even if the score isn't close if you watch it you will get that feeling at least for maybe a quarter or two or a half that hey we got a bit of a dog fight here between some heavyweights if there's separation that occurs of course that is what it is but i'm telling you you will have that feeling and i'm looking at connecticut's defense again because you forced 34 points off of 21 turnovers against tulsa so let me see what you do against a little higher level of competition Let's see what you got. What what can you do? Can you force 15 turnovers against Tennessee? And can you get me 20 points off of 15 turnovers? Can, Can we get that? Something in that ballpark. And better thing is, can you take care of the ball? Because as I've stated, this team averages right around 14, 13, 12 turnovers a game. They've had some high turnover games lately with 18, 16. You're pushing 20. This time, you only had 11. Tulsa only got four points off those 11 turnovers, so great job there. But it's like, all right, mm, what, what 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 Connecticut am I going to get on offense? Am I going to get Connecticut that values the ball, that takes care of it? Or am I going to get the one that has shown up against Memphis, UCF, the fourth quarter against Baylor, where you're a little sloppy, you're a little ugly, shots aren't falling, you're going cold, whatever it is. So let's just see what to expect. But just recapping this Tulsa one, put a nice final bow on it. Makarot, she came out. She delivered. Coming out game, perfect time, especially with Tennessee coming up and Oregon and South Carolina shortly after that. Bench did well, 34-8 to in favor of our bench over Tulsa's. It's perfect. Connecticut was Connecticut. And here's an interesting stat in regards to this game. Baylor ended Connecticut's 98-game home win streak. However, the Lady Huskies have not lost in stores in seven years. The game against Baylor was in Hartford. The game against Tennessee will be in Hartford. So the fact that Connecticut hasn't lost at Campbell Pavilion since 2013 against Notre Dame, and they only lost that game by a point, is really impressive. So we shall see what's going up, or what's going on and what's going to happen against Tennessee. Like I said, I will have a special episode up before the game, breaking down the rivalry, taking a little look at some of the players, the key players in the rivalry. Just a little history for those that might not be familiar, because again, it's been 13 years since the two teams have played each other. So let's get reacquainted. The team from Tennessee that happens to wear creamsicle orange and loves checkerboards, and for whatever reason thinks that's a good idea. Amen. That's your fashion, your style. I would just maybe hire a designer or a stylist or somebody, creative firm, something. Figure that whole checkerboard thing out because, yeah, it ain't the 90s no more, man. But, hey, old Rocky Top and all that good stuff. So, Connecticut, 92. Tulsa, 34. 
solid effort, great defense, do it on a higher level. That is what I'm expecting in the Tennessee game. We shall see how it goes. Until next time, remember, we're UConn, you're not, sorry, not sorry, bleed blue, and like always, in Gino, we trust. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.